Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060, online at kdos1060.com, and now with the all-new KDOS 1060 app. We pop on out to the KDOS hotline as we're going to have an NFL Combine conversation. Joe DeLeon, host of Believe in NFL Draft Prospects and the first team show on Stadium Network. You can follow Joe on Twitter at Joe DeLeon. Joe, it's Bob and Kayla. Thanks so much for the time today. How are you? I'm doing great. We got the combine about to kick off. We're getting uh, even closer and closer. And I've been saying this all week. It's the Christmas time for me, getting to uh, follow all the draft headlines and cover everything going on uh, over the weekend. Well, let's hope we can keep that Christmas atmosphere here for you. And we'll start with, of course, everyone's favorite topic, the quarterbacks. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis, they all are said to be throwing at this week's combine. Bryce Young will wait to throw at his Alabama Pro Day. When it first comes down to it, what are some of the pros and the cons of throwing at the combine? And of these quarterbacks, who could this help or hurt most? Yeah, I think that the pros and cons really depends on the prospect that's participating. And like you asked at the end there, who can hurt and help themselves the most is the real key uh, piece to this. So I look at a guy like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, two guys who are really good athletes, them doing the physical testing is going to help put into perspective just how physically dominant that they can be. But at the same time, there's a lot of question marks on how accurate they are, how consistently accurate they are, how will they bounce back when – Maybe they miss a couple of throws. Those are the biggest issues for those guys that are a lot more raw compared to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So they need to step into these, these passing drills. They just need to be consistent and at least look above average in my eyes. They don't need to go perfect to finish the day because we know that there are some deficiencies uh, in their throwing. But as long as they show some positive signs of life, I think that that is uh, really, really great for those guys. For somebody like C.J. Stroud, we already know how good he is. You know, just show up, do your thing, don't overthink it, don't get too high or too low. We know that he's a very natural thrower, probably the most natural thrower in the class, and getting to get a feel for how he compares to the other two guys who are probably going to struggle at times in Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. And then for Bryce Young, who's not even throwing, who's not even participating, this is an instance of everybody knows how accurate he is. Everybody knows how consistent he is. He doesn't need to show up and go out there and maybe cause more question marks if he for some reason doesn't go perfect or a little bit less than perfect during the throwing drills where he's going to win is showing up during these team interviews and meeting with his team and killing it on the whiteboard, showing off his football IQ, which is probably the best, in my opinion, amongst all of the quarterbacks. is just very reactive, a great decision maker, and he can show that in these interviews by just focusing his, focusing his attention on that and not worrying about the on-field stuff. The fact that Jalen Hurts was so successful this year in his second year as the Eagles' starting quarterback, does, does that help Levis at Richardson, who, you know, Levis was a runner before he, you know, when he was at Penn State, before he got to Kentucky, and obviously Richardson, we've seen his running ability when he's at Florida. Well, I think it especially helps them for the fact that Gene Steichen, who's the new Colts head coach, is picking at number four, and he actually <laughs> might be trading yeah. up even if he wants to go get one of his guys. I think that Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson make the most sense for Sykin as the new head coach uh, for the Indianapolis Colts for all the reasons you just said, where he built an offense around one of the best athletes in the NFL, and he helped his development, he helped Jalen Hurts' development as a passer by letting him lean on his rushing ability, but not overusing it to the point where he was getting hurt like someone like Lamar Jackson uh, or like Tyler Murray. 
And I think that seeing the physical tools that Anthony Richardson especially or Will Levis bring to the position are exciting. And it's not like they're smaller, more compact runners. They're big, strong guys like Jalen Hurts. I think there's a lot of parallels that you can make, especially for when both of those guys coming in now and when Jalen Hurts came into the league, there were questions of this if Jalen Hurts could be a consistent quarterback, if he could be a starting quarterback, because he was never really asked to win games as a passer. But we now feel comfortable he is being able to play a well-rounded game. And I think both of those guys will fit perfectly with the Colts. Uh, and then maybe if some teams try to play copycat, uh, if they want to go get their own version of Jalen Hurts, I'm sure that there will be some teams trying to do the same as well. The quarterback position, we all know that that makes everything go in the NFL, and therefore we get so enamored with them and maybe talk ourselves into a quarterback being better than he is. But you just kind of went through this evolution of Jalen Hurts and how he's grown being a quarterback in the NFL. How do we then kind of balance this with finding uh, whether or not this quarterback class is a strong quarterback class and whether or not there's some potential for people to grow into it? We really want, I think, expectations to be delivered year one, year two? Yeah, I think that describing this class as a strong one is the best way to put it. Um, I think that it's definitely getting propped up propped up by the fact that last year's class was just it was so bad. It was such a weak group that the only guy who was selected in the first round and the only one who's probably going to be uh, a starter, I, don't, I can't even really necessarily say long-term starter, was Kenny Pickett. This year, there are so many teams that hunted on drafting the quarterback that really is driving up the value of the quarterback position. But the way that I see it with needing these guys to be uh, ready and available um, year one and year two and be ready to have an impact, I think that we need to look at the different degrees of quarterback development across the league. And I think teams just need to be more patient with certain guys. There's guys like Bryce Young and T.J. Stroud who should start right away and need that experience. And then there's guys like Will Levis and Anthony Richardson who it might benefit them to not be rushed into it, maybe the back half or the back end of their first season before they step onto the field. But I don't think that there's a a perfect formula for getting guys onto the field. But I I do think that what is always important is building a strong roster around these guys and allowing them to flourish with pieces around them instead of asking them to do everything. Okay, so we've covered the pitchers here. Uh, on to the catchers, uh, the receivers. I've, I've seen and heard lots of different opinions of, you know, the receiver rankings or so to speak heading into the draft here. Who do you like? Yeah, this, this year's receiver class is not – it doesn't have an alpha in it like we've had in the past. And last year was a down year, but we still had Darrell Wilson, who's phenomenal, Chris Olave, who's phenomenal, and Jameson Williams, who didn't even play because of his injury who's also a very explosive, dominant player. Um, but this year's grouping, we we have a lot of really fast, explosive guys, and I think the combine is where we're going to see some separation. There is this, this chunk of guys that all kind of fit the same description of being very fast, deep threats. And I'm talking about Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, uh, Zay Flowers from Austin College, Josh Downs from North Carolina, and then I'd also throw in there Parker Washington from Penn State. All of those guys fit that mold of being very fast, explosive, deep threats that probably aren't the number one receiver on a roster, aren't the go-to target, but are a really important key secondary piece, kind of like what Jalen Waddell did for Tyrese Hill this year, where if he's the primary guy, maybe not as productive, but because he has uh, Tyrese Hill to play off of, 
it opened up his game. So I think we've got a lot of those guys. I think that the guy I'm, I really like the most is Jalen Hyatt. I think that he showed me a lot towards the end of this year. But there's just it, it can go in any direction. I think that you can take any of those guys for any team, and I'd be happy with the results. Joe DeLeon, host of Believe in NFL Draft Prospects and the first team show on Stadium Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Joe DeLeon right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the extra point. So another pass catcher, but also does so much and can be a young quarterback's best friend, the tight end position. Uh, The way that we see tight ends play now, the athleticism, the skill set, the mismatches that they create. How is this year's tight end class and, and who stands out? Yeah, this year's tight end class is really deep, which is, is a bit rare, and I think that it's hard to find young tight ends that can step in and play right away. Uh, but this year's class, I think we've got a couple of guys who fit that description, and the two that are getting the most buzz is one, Michael Mayer, who is the closest thing that we've had to Gronk come out of the NFL draft, uh, where he is just a very tenacious blocker, but at the same time is a really good route runner, is, has really sure, consistent hands, is going to be somebody who catches maybe like 80, 90 balls a year and has an immediate impact as a rookie. I, I wouldn't be shocked, and I, I don't think this is hyperbolic at all, that Michael Mayer could be a, a top-five tight end in the NFL by his second season. He's that good of a player, and if he's in an offense that's willing to use him as such and get him a lot of catches, he has that feeling. Don't get Cade is the other one who is getting a lot of buzz right now who I see him more as a second-round pick not as willing to block, but if you play him out in space, put him in the slot, I think that's where you're going to get a lot more value for a Dalton Kincaid. But what excites a lot of people is his after-the-catch ability, what he brings to the field when he's got open space around him. He's not somebody who's going to naturally create a lot of separation, but when he has that space, he can be dangerous. Uh, so he is definitely the, the second guy for me. But some other names to pay attention to, Luke Musgrave, who's from Oregon State, going to test really well. Darnell Washington from Georgia is a massive, massive kid. Uh, but just overall, this this class got a lot of nice names. Chuck Kraft from South Dakota State, another one I would pay attention to, that could step in and become really key players on a lot of rosters. You mentioned Washington, uh, one of his teammates at Georgia is Jalen Carter, and obviously the off-the-field situation has been a hot topic today. How might that alter what the NFL thinks of him? Yeah, I think that this late in the process, and I, I can't speak with absolute certainty because I, I don't have – the opinions of NFL evaluators to back this up right now, but just from like what we've seen in the past, this happening early enough but late enough in the process, it it might really negatively impact uh, his his draftability. And I, I think about what happened with Lyle Collins, who that broke right before he uh, he was drafted. The news of, of, of his criminal history that wasn't even totally proven, um, but that was enough for him to go undrafted. And I think for Jalen Carter, this is a really bad situation. It seems like there's a lot of evidence. I know that the situation is still, you know, it's innocent until proven guilty, but there still is a lot of evidence that even if he gets off in this circumstance, I know a lot of NFL teams are going to be thinking, why am I drafting a kid who's, who's going to be doing stuff like this, who has, a, has done something as this done before? How can I trust him that he doesn't do something dumber and get arrested and get put in jail for good? And I think that the other thing, too, is that we are not that far removed. I know it's a little bit long ago, but we're not that far removed from the Henry Ruggs situation. I know that it is not a direct one-to-one, but a lot of teams are going to be thinking to themselves, I don't want any to touch anywhere near this. I don't want to have our own Henry Ruggs situation of 
if I draft this kid really early in the top 10 and then I never get to, he never plays again because he does something dumb. Uh, I, I just think that the NFL is very reactive and overreactive to things like this. I don't know if it makes him undraftable, but I think that it will significantly hurt his draft stock because with criminal charges, with everything that's going on and, and surrounding it, a warrant for his arrest, none of it is good. It's, it's just a really it, – it's terrible that this is happening to a kid uh, right before what was supposed to be the biggest job interview of his life. Let's stick with the defensive side of the ball and specifically the pass rushers. So, of course, Jalen Carter and Will Anderson were uh, hot names for the Cardinals at the number three overall selection. But as we slide down a little bit further, some other names, uh, you know, you have Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, Miles Murphy from Clemson, even Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. What do you make about this defensive pass rushing grouping of players in the 2023 NFL draft class? Yeah, I think the Arizona Cardinals, first of all, sit in a really good spot. They they are in a really, really great spot where if two teams trade up to draft the quarterback or Houston stays where they are and there's two quarterbacks selected, they can snag Will Anderson if they sit at three. And you're getting an elite generational pass rusher. You're getting a guy that is so high motor, that is so physically dominant. It wasn't as productive this, this past year, but I said this at the beginning of the season that I, I, I was wary that Will Anderson – was going to be so focused on by opposing offensive lines that he wasn't going to be as productive. But we know the traits. We know his background. We know what he's capable of doing. He is the best player by far for me in this draft class, uh, next to Jalen Carter, separate from the off-the-field issues. But if they decide to trade back, I, I think that Tyree Wilson is a long, explosive player alongside Lucas and that's just all long, rangy dudes uh, that would be immediate impact uh, defensive ends and pass rushers for this this uh, this Cardinals defense. But I, I'd also throw in there, Kalijah Kansi, I'm a big fan of his from Pitt. I think that he's a defensive tackle. He's on the smaller side at 6'280". Very twitchy, fast, explosive. Um, very hard to block because he's low, so low to the ground. But I would consider him a name to pay attention to if the Cardinals trade back somewhere around 10. He's somebody that would make a lot of sense and would be very problematic for opposing offensive lines in the NFL. Away from the Cardinals, even though well, maybe the Cardinals, but uh, they could. Every team could use a running back, but running backs in the draft and it's kind of almost an afterthought these days. But Bijan Robinson is a, a kid that went to high school in Tucson, showed a lot of uh, you know qualities that made you think then he was going to be an NFL running back. What do you think of him, and how early might he go? Uh, for for Bijan, I think that him getting selected. Uh, in the top 10 is very realistic. I think what's most likely going to be the case for him uh, is someone or a team that has a little bit more of a settled offensive situation or just a settled roster in general. I think you got to look at what the Philadelphia Eagles, their situation of them sitting at 10, they don't trade out of that pick. Uh, I think that they've got a very complete roster. You plug in Bijan, an already dominant rushing attack. He is going to be so unstoppable in the NFC East. But outside of that, I think that him going in the top 15, top 20 to a team that has, again, a more settled roster, doesn't have any major needs, is realistic for any of these running backs. Joe DeLeon, host of Believe in NFL Draft Prospects in the first team show on Stadium. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe DeLeon. Last question here for you, and it's just kind of a broad question. For you, when you look at uh, these intangibles, these measurements, these metrics, do you think that all of them are really important to the process of the evaluation, and what metrics and measurements do you think are overrated? 
Yeah, I, I think that, well, first of all, I think the 40 time is one of the most overrated. I think what's way more important is the short area quickness for any of these athletes. There's a lot of proof of vertical jumps and, and short area quickness drills, the, the three cone and the five ten five. If you If you have really elite lateral quickness, that's a lot more dangerous because of the short area space and nature of the game of football and how quickly you can redirect. But I think in general, the measurement for me, it's just adding context and knowing um, physically like how certain guys fit um, and just having something to turn to to say, okay, this guy looks like he has the length and the height on film, but does he actually have it in real life according to his measurement? So I think just having the context is important. It's just an added variable. It, ultimately, the combine is most important for the medical rechecks and for the interviews done with uh, these teams and the players that they're, mo- they're the most interested in. Joe, this has been fantastic. We look forward to doing it again here as we inch closer to the NFL draft. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your day. You as well. Joe DeLeon there, host of Believe in NFL, in NFL Draft Prospects in the first team show on Stadium. Follow him on Twitter at Joe DeLeon.